The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. How many of you out there are sick and tired of all the negativity going on? You know, I, I have to confess that uh, the neg- negativity that's going around, uh, every time we turn on the TV, we hear the news of people dying, we hear talk of jobs vanishing. We hear of our economy struggling, uh, a nation being divided on what we should do, different states making different guidelines and rules, and and, and some people get into the place uh, of making the statement that this is the end of the world as we know it. And it's so easy to get sucked into this. And I'm, I'm finding that for myself, I'm emotionally on edge. I'm getting easily angered, even by little stupid things. And that's what's happening, is anxiety is growing, anxiousness is at an all-time high, and, and, and we're surrounded by negativity. And so I want to bring a message of positivity. I want us to see that there is good news even in the midst of bad circumstances. Scripture gives us Uh, the confidence and the foundation that this is true, that in every situation, in every season, in every storm, God is there. And that's been my prayer, is that God would show me, that God would show each of us that he is truly there. He's he's with us. He's in the midst of this storm with us. And so I want to pray right now that that we would all stay positive. Uh, And I mean that Uh, no pun intended, that we would stay positive in our thinking, and that we would stay positive in the way we treat each other, and that we would stay positive and not come down with this virus. And so how do we look at this circumstance will greatly affect how we're feeling in life. And so let me pray for us right now as we dive into uh, the next part of our series Uh, So just let's pray. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your love for us. And I thank you that you are a good God that is always with us regardless of the circumstances. And I pray that you would help us to stay wise, to make good choices, and to even be protective of the thoughts that we think and dwell on. Speak to us now as we look into your word. Give us clarity on the things that you want us to see and the way that you want us to live in these uncertain times. In your name we pray. Amen. And so I do want us today to look at how Scripture uh, wants us to stay positive. And so we're going to uh, do the right things. We're going we're gonna to practice the, the so safe social distancing that we're being encouraged to practice. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to stay six feet away from each other. We're going to wear our masks. We're going to do the things that we need to do to keep ourselves safe and to keep others safe. And we're going to do everything we can to also in our heart and mind... Stand upon the truths that we know to be true. And instead of living in fear, we're going to live in faith. We're going to come to a place where we're surrounding ourselves and reminding ourselves with thoughts that God is not surprised by this. That God has this. And that even 
this God can use for his glory and our good. You see, the truth is, is a negative outlook never leads to a positive life. A negative outlook never leads to a positive life. And what I need you to understand today is that we have every reason to believe in a God who loves us, who is still on his throne, who is still working, and, and who is going to use even this situation for his good. I was reading some statistics just this past week. I mentioned them briefly last week. Um, the number of churches meeting online has skyrocketed. I mean, I think any church that's actually meeting is meeting online. And there are a number of ways that we can track interactions. And over 270,000 people have indicated that they have come to put their faith and trust in God during this season. And so God is even using this season as a way to reach those who up till now have not been reached. And this is why... I'm unshakably optimistic about our future. Why I am without a shadow of a doubt knowing that God is going to use this for his good. And I have to constantly remind myself that God is in this. That he is working to good. And, and that's what I hope for all of us. And so if you would agree with that, that, that you need that prayer in your life. That God would help you to stay positive. That that God would help you to keep having a positive outlook. And if you would agree that that's your prayer as it is mine, would you just type amen in the comments below? Amen. I agree that God is good and I need him to help me stay positive. That is our hope. That we would be people that, that are optimistic and not pessimistic. You see, the gospel is good news. That's what gospel means. And yes, there is some bad news, but what are we dwelling on? What are we allowing to fill our thoughts? The scriptures tell us to take every thought captive for the cause of Christ. And so what are you dwelling on? What are you thinking on? Optimism is important. And I'm not saying that we're called to be just living lives of, uh, of denying the negative. Uh, optimism is not denial of reality. That's not what optimism is. Optimism is not blind faith. I'm not calling you to just ignore the negative circumstances, but to have a, a positive outlook on what might be able to be the outcome of our negative circumstances. I'm not saying that we're to deny the negative and to ignore the, 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 the struggles. There is hardship. There is difficulty going on. But how can we exercise positivity and optimism in the midst of this situation? Optimism is not denial of reality. It's not blind faith. But it is this. Optimism is confidence about the future or a successful outcome. Spiritually, I want to tweak it a little bit and, and read it to you like this. Optimism is the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for His will and our future good. 
Where do we get this from? The book of Romans chapter 8 tells us this in verse 28. And we know that in all things, if you have your Bible open, circle that phrase, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So even in the negative situations of dealing with an impossible boss, of dealing with a financial setback, and dealing with annoying in-laws that you're maybe stuck with at this time. Don't, don't throw any elbows at this time. Of dealing with having to homeschool your kids. Uh, in every negative situation, there still holds the potential for a po positive outcome and for there to be positive results. As irritating and inconvenient as our circumstances may be, there still is room for good. And that's what I believe and I want to encourage you to have is an unwavering expectation that we have a loving God that is always at work in every circumstance and every situation. Do you feel that way? Do you believe that way? Are you living with that faith or are you being consumed with fear? So think about what you think about. Think about how you see your future. Are your thoughts consumed with negativity? With worried? Are you worried you're going to get sick? Are you worrying so much that you are sick? Are you living in fear and anxiety? If that's the truth, then that is not good news. Because what, what consumes our mind controls our life. Experts have, have, have been quoted saying that the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts that you think. The life you have is a reflection of what's consuming your mind. The book of Proverbs even tells us that as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. So if you're constantly thinking and being consumed with the thoughts that the world is in trouble, that, that we can't trust anyone... Uh, that you hate the circumstances that you're in, it's likely that you're not going to bed at night thinking that this was the best day ever. What is it that you're thinking about? The quality of life will never exceed the quality of our thoughts. What is it that you're thinking about? Do you have an optimistic view on the circumstances that we're in? Or is it pessimism? That's creeping in. You see, the problem with pessimism is that it, it, it's constantly giving us a negative mindset on what's happening in life. And again, I'm not denying the reality that there are some circumstances that uh, we wouldn't choose this. There are people getting sick. We now have officially confirmed people in our small church family that have come down with COVID-19. It's here, and it's not good. But what are we going to think about it? How are we going to live through it? We're called to pray. We're called to be safe and to be concerned. But are we going to live in fear? Are we going to live in faith? The professionals tell us that pessimists tend to view negative events as personal 
and permanent. Situations is is on uh, as crazy as it seems. Situations like this, people will even begin to think that it's somehow their fault, that somehow they did something to bring this upon themselves, that that they're no good, that that they're constantly failing that they're incapable of doing it right, and that they're just constantly going to blow it. Pessimists also think that bad things are always happening to me. They're never going to change, and I'm always going to be a victim. Scripture in many places tells us that no challenge has seized you except which is common to man, and that God is with us in the midst of every circumstance and situation. And so... While our economy is struggling, that is true. While jobs are changing, people are getting furloughed. Some people aren't sure what's going to happen with their job. While this virus is difficult and in many ways seems unstoppable. While we are having to restrict what we do and live in life in some inconvenient ways. We need to learn. That even in the midst of this situation, God is there with us. That we learn uh, to be able to be at peace and being content, of, of being satisfied, of realizing that even in the midst of this situation, we are a blessed people. And that even now we're blessed so that we can be a blessing. You see, having this kind of mindset is not a state of affairs. It's a state of mind. It's choosing to take every thought captive for the cause of Christ. What consumes our mind controls our life. And so I want to give us some thoughts to, to base this on, to, to, to help us to do what we talked about last week. We talked about last week of being a people who pray and praise and, and guarding our hearts and minds so that we can have the peace of God. So building on those principles, I want to ask you a couple questions. What is it that consumes your thoughts? I mean, be honest with yourself right now. Are you living in fear or are you living in faith? And the truth is, is you're going to live in whichever you feed the most. And so what you want to have, we need to learn to feed. And what you don't want, if you don't want living in fear and panic, then we got to learn to starve what we don't want. Whatever we feed will grow in our life. Whatever we starve will die down in our life. So what are you doing to feed the good and to starve the bad? To feed our faith and to starve our fears? You know, for me, I try to limit the consumption of news. Uh, I often have to actually go to Brandy and say, what's the latest? Because I know that if I'm reading something, I'm consumed by it. I want to dive in. I want to see who, what the reports are based on. Is it, is it media spin or is it based on fact? And it consumes me. And so I try to limit what I'm hearing in the news. Uh, I don't want to be uninformed. And so I'm paying attention to, to enough, but not so much that it consumes me. And I also try to limit the negative talk. So if I'm listening to 
something on the road while I'm driving around, if it becomes negative, I maybe turn on some praise and worship. Again, I'm not trying to ignore reality, but I don't want it to dominate my thoughts. And so what are we doing to starve our fears? It's, it's, it's good to be informed. It's good to have the right amount of information, but let's control how many negative voices are dominating our thoughts. And then we feed what we want to grow. And so we talked last week about being a people of prayer and being people of praise and filling our hearts and minds with the thoughts of God and meditating on his word. And so while I'm limiting and starving and keeping the negative out, I'm feeding myself with the things of God. You see, the scripture tells us that whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is of God, think of these things. Think on these things. And so I want to just give you a couple words of encouragement before we go today of how we can feed our soul, feed our faith, so that we can stay positive. And looking back at last week's verse, uh, it says this. This is from Philippians chapter 4. Uh, I'll just pick up where we left off last week. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus now look what Paul says right after that finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely Whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Don't be anxious about these things. But what do we think on? Whatever is good, whatever is honorable, whatever is praiseworthy, whatever is of God, think about these things. What happens when we put our mind, when we take those negative thoughts captive and we think about the things that are positive and pure and true and noble, what happens? Look at verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, put into practice and the God of all peace will be with you. So we become a people of praying and a people of praising. We think about the things that are right, the things that are good, not denying reality, but seeing reality in light of who God is and how good God is. Thinking about Him and who He is and what He can do and putting these things into practice will guard our heart and mind and the God of peace will be with us. So do you want to live in panic or do you want to live in peace? I don't know about you, but I want peace. Yes, I'm experiencing panic a little here and there. I'm, I'm a little bit more on edge. And so I'm having to remind myself and put into practice daily, regularly, 
the things of God. And so I just want to give you a couple tips on how we can do this. You know, one of the best things that we have is God's Word, His Scripture. And so I don't know if you have a regular habit of being in God's Word, but I want to encourage you, if you've never committed to being in God's Word daily and regularly, that you would do so. I mean, how many of you go living life without eating? I mean, it's ridiculous. You, you don't. You, you would die. And spiritually, in the same way, we have to eat on the bread of heaven. We have to eat of God and eat of His Word. And we have to, just as we need to be fed physically, we need to be fed spiritually. And so for me, the way I'll do it is I'll not only read God's Word, but I'll let God's Word read me. And since we're kind of launching off the idea that God is working all things together for good from Romans chapter 8, let's just go there right now. Romans chapter 8 is a beautiful passage of Scripture to dwell on and to think on. And there are, there are rich nuggets throughout all of Scripture. And if you don't have a, a, a Bible app or a, a daily devotional program, I want to encourage you, get on Amazon today and order one. Download the Bible app and start some Bible reading plans. And, and don't just read it quickly and glance over it. Dwell on it. Meditate on it. Let God's Word get into you. And so here's the way you do it. You don't just read the passage. You first ask yourself a couple questions. Like, what's going on? And in order to, like, see a verse, um, think about who wrote it and who it's being written to. This is called the context. To get a deeper understanding of what the verse means, you got to talk and you got to look into the situation in which it's being presented. And so the verse that I just read that God is working all things together for good, if I want to dwell on that uh, and understand it fuller, I might read all around it. And so I might just, instead of reading verse 28, I might look at the whole chapter, Romans chapter 8 as a whole, and see where is the thought that Paul is coming from being birthed from. And if I really want to understand chapter 8, I may even go back and read chapter 7 to see what transpired to lead us into chapter 8. You see, chapter 8, verse 1 starts with, there is therefore no condemnation. And anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, it's there for a reason. And in this particular circumstance, the therefore in chapter 8 is coming from chapter 7, where Paul is talking about how he just has to admit sometimes that he is a mess. Just like I feel a mess at times right now. And just like I'm sure many of you sometimes feel like you're a mess. You see, Paul in chapter 7 is talking about how, how he struggles to always do what's right. In modern terms, he basically calls himself a screw-up. That the things that he knows he should do, he struggles to do. And the things that he knows that he should do, he sometimes has a very difficult time doing them. And so he has this inner struggle within himself saying, man, I'm such a mess. What hope is there for me? And then he allows those thoughts to be taken captive. And he reminds himself that his goodness and his faith and his well-being is not just based on who he is and what he has done, but what God has done for him. 
and a God who loves us and is willing to forgive us and to give us the self-discipline and the control to overcome the things in our life that seek to tear us down. And so he concludes that chapter by saying, the only hope I have is in Christ Jesus. And confessing that I need him and confessing my sins and agreeing with God about my sins and saying, God, I can't just live in my own strength and live according to my own way of thinking. I've got to stop living according to what my flesh craves and instead walk in the Spirit. Live according to God's Spirit, allowing God's Spirit to live through us. And that's what he says in, verse, in, in chapter 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those of us who have under, come to understand that Jesus has died for us, that he's forgiven us, that we've been set free from having to be slaves to sin and slaves to our, 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 our fleshly cravings, we can instead be set free and learn to live in the Spirit. So we, as I read through this chapter and I'm meditating on, on the promises, I'm letting it read me and I'm letting it see that I can't live according to my flesh. I've got to instead live according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, again, staying positive in our minds, chapter 5, verse 8, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who set their minds on the things of the Spirit and want to live according to the Spirit set their minds on the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh leads to death. Negativity leads to death. But instead, we set our mind on the Spirit, which leads to life and peace. And so, I keep reading and I come up to verse 18. As I keep reading, I consider... That the sufferings of this present time, hello? How many of us are suffering? How many people in our world right now are suffering? But I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Yes, there are struggles right now. But I consider and I have to remind myself that the person who's writing this, Paul, what kind of sufferings did he go through? What kind of things did he struggle with? You know, as you, if you read and study the life of Paul, you're going to see that he was imprisoned multiple times. He was beaten and left for dead on so many occasions. Five times he was whipped with 40 lashes. Three times beaten with rods. Stoned. Like huge rocks picked up and thrown at him. To the point that he almost died. He was shipwrecked. He was left at night at sea clinging onto wood. He was betrayed. Beaten and left for dead. Uh, these are pretty serious sufferings. And yet Paul writes. Cast all your cares and anxieties on him. Paul writes. That our present sufferings. Are not even worth comparing to the future glory that will come. And so this morning I ask, what are you hurting? How are you hurting? What is it that's going on in your life that has you feeling down? What have you lost? In what ways are you experiencing 
hardship? Is it facing a job loss? Are you worried because you've gotten sick or someone in your family has been diagnosed with COVID-19? Are you battling cancer? Are you dealing with relational challenges right now in your marriage or with your children? Has a friend betrayed you? Are you having difficulty working hard at, at home? Our current struggles are not worth comparing to the glory that is to come. And yes, these things are difficult. But we have a God who loves us. And a God who is there to lead us. And we can't even begin to compare what our current struggles are in light of God's future blessings and the things that he will reveal to us. And I want you to know that I have an unwavering expectation that we have a loving God who is working even in the midst of all of those situations. He loves you. And he has his will and your good in mind. And so how can we starve our fears and feed our faith? How can we take our thoughts captive for the cause of Christ. I keep reading through chapter 8, and I see that we are not alone in this struggle, but we also have a Holy Spirit that is with us to guide us, to lead us, to counsel us, and to pray for us. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the same spirit. The same spirit that brought life. This spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. Groanings too deep for words. So while we're feeling beat down and broken, we have a spirit that is here to lift us up. When we don't know how to pray, the spirit is praying for us. When we feel incapable and unsure and uncertain and worn out, we are never alone. The Holy Spirit is here with us to guide us, to comfort us, to be our source of strength. Are any of you feeling weak? discouraged, overwhelmed, exhausted. Many people have said that God helps those who help themselves. You know what? That phrase is nowhere in the Bible. It is not a biblical principle. You know, the truth is, is God helps those who need help. If you're broken, God is here to help bring healing. If you're exhausted, God is here to be your rest. If you're desperate, God is here to breathe your hope. If you're hurting, he's here to be your comfort. If you're confused, he's here to be your guide. If you're discouraged, he's here to bring you hope. If you're anxious, he's here to bring you peace. If you're weak, he's here to be your strength. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is here to be with you and to lead you and to help you stay positive through this time. This leads us to verse 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. 
And so my encouragement to you is to realize that we have a God that even when we don't see him, he is there. My family, we love cruises. Uh, uh, our best kept little secret that's not so secret anymore is that during the months of November, December, and January, you can often get a week-long cruise for 99 bucks. I remember the first cruise that Brandy and I went on. Uh, it was our first experience. It was our honeymoon. And I remember getting all dressed up fancy for dinner and going and uh, seeing so many different forks and knives and set up and not even know. I was out of my element. I had never eaten so fancy. And I remember while eating, I accidentally dropped uh, a melon ball. You know, they take those little, uh, they make food fancy on cruise ships. And so we had these melon balls and I, I accidentally dropped it. It hit off my shoe and went rolling across the aisle. I was so embarrassed. We're in such a fancy situation, a fancy setting, and I go and do this. But before I knew it, there was this like special little helper that like came out of nowhere. And before anybody could even realize that the melon ball was rolling across the floor, in perfect form, she scooped down, picked it up, and kept going as if it was just second nature. It was amazing. How quickly I made a mess and how in an instant it was gone. It wasn't too long later that it happened again. The ball went rolling and in an instant it was picked up. That's exactly how God is. When we drop things, when we make a mess of our life, God is always behind the scenes ready in an instant to take care of it. You may feel like you're struggling. God is there. You may feel like you've made a mess of something. God is for you and ready to help you. He is may not always be seen. That attendant, I didn't even know was there. But at the time of need, when I dropped that melon ball, she was there to pick it up. And God is there on your side. He is there with you now. He loves you. He wants you to stay positive. He wants you to take every thought captive for his purpose and his will. He is there to love you and to sustain you. I want you to be encouraged today that, that we will stay positive during this time. And as we go back to whatever normal may be, my hope is that we don't just return to normal. My hope instead is that we would be praying that when we go back to normal, that our marriages will be stronger, that our families will be closer, that our love will be deeper, that the church will shine brighter, that our Christian, uh, our, we as Christians would be bolder because God is working in the midst of this situation, for his will and our good, he loves you. He's there to sustain you. And if we keep our hearts and minds focused on Christ Jesus, if we cast all our cares and anxiety on him, he will lift us up and care for us. And the peace of God will be with us. And we put these things into practice. We have God with us. 
Let me read for you these closing words from Romans <coughs> chapter 8. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter where I go, God is with me. No matter what I do, God still loves me. No matter what happens to me, God is for me. And he is for you. I totally, truly believe that God is working in the midst of this situation for our good. For his will to be accomplished. For his love to become known on this earth as it is in heaven. And my hope is that you would find your hope and your peace and your strength in him. If you don't know God in that way, the scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 8 that if you call out to him and believe that God loves you and that, that his son, Jesus Christ, died on a cross to save you from your sins and you call out to him with your mouth for him to be your Lord, at that moment you will be saved and his Holy Spirit will come to live in you and to transform you and to change you into the person that he has created you to be. If today you want to call out to him, you can pray out to him right now. You can pray with me right now. Father God, thank you for loving me. Thank you that even in spite of my sinfulness and, and oftentimes me choosing to live life my own way, you continue to pursue me and love me. And thank you for your willingness to forgive me of taking my place, Jesus, of taking my place on the cross, taking my sin upon yourself and dying to forgive me of my sin, I confess that I need you as my Savior. Come into my life. Forgive me and make me new. Help me to take this anxiety and to cast it on you. Help me to put my life into practicing the things that you want me to practice, to meditate on your truth, to, to walk your way, to, to follow you as I should. Come into my life and make me new. And teach me what it means to follow you. Father God, I also pray for, the, for those out there who know you as Lord and Savior, but are struggling with anxiety and fear, that we would constantly take every thought captive, that we would realize that you are working in the midst of every situation and storm for your will and our good. Give us that assurance and that firm foundation on which we stand upon so that we can live, even through this time, a life of faith and not a life of fear. So come into us and help us to keep our eyes on you. In your name I pray. Amen.